Welcome to God's Word Baptist Church this morning uh, for our Sunday school hour. Um, please, uh, you know, continue to keep your phrase in prayer. In prayer, there we go. <clears throat> and uh, they uh, they're doing uh, uh, a lot better. Uh, Brother Griffey's doing pretty good, and um, he's uh, um, pretty much all healed up and getting ready to come back and everything. But still, just. Uh, you know, long drive just kind of put some concern on him. So he's, uh, going to be, uh, hanging out, uh, back at the house and just making sure he gets, uh, rested up, uh, so that he can be back with us. But, uh, we're going to take a look this morning, um, at a specific subject that is often, uh, it's often one that, uh, people don't understand. Uh, many times they think they understand, but they really don't. Um, so I want to take a look at what Scripture says. Uh, again, all of our understanding has to come from the Word of God. Um, we try to use society's uh, understanding. Well, society's understanding changes frequently. Man's understanding shifts uh, based upon bias and based upon uh, whatever... Uh, is the the current trend at that time and what limited knowledge they have. So when we take a look at uh, what God says, we know that God's standard is true. God is not changing. Uh, he doesn't change his uh, 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 standards according to society. He changes them uh, not. He keeps them in place because to him certain things are fixed, as in sin is sin. Um, you know, righteousness is righteousness. Um, so we're going to take a look at a subject here uh, over in the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 7 specifically. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to talk about judgment or judging. <clears throat> and uh, in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 1, it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. Thank you again, Lord, that we have an opportunity to come to uh, you, receive instruction from your word, receive uh, the guidance from your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that this morning our hearts would be very uh, soft and tender, ready to learn, ready to listen, and uh, uh, just ready, Lord, to follow after your will, follow after your designs, of how we should be living our life and what your intent for us is. And Lord, as we look at the subject of judgment and judging, that Lord, it would be very clear how we go about doing this. That Lord, it would be in a manner that pleases and honors you, that's according to your will and according to uh, what your desire is for our life. Lord, I pray you'd be with me and just speak through me that this time would be honoring unto you. And again, Lord, I just thank you for all that you've done for us this day already, and I ask and pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 is a very commonly quoted verse. Uh, people will say, uh, you know, don't judge me. Or people will uh, make a comment about uh, judge not lest ye be judged. And they kind of take that whole concept of judging, and if you will, kind of throw it out the window saying, well, we're not supposed to judge. So they, they, they take all the things of judgment and they put it in a little box and just pitch it out the window and think that they don't have to actually exercise judgment in life. Well, we know that's not true. 
As a matter of fact, we know that that's completely wrong because if you've ever made a decision in your life, you know that you have had to actually exercise judgment. Uh, We've all had to make judgment calls in our life. We've all had to make a, a decision. Sometimes it's a snap decision. Sometimes it's a decision that, uh, when we, when we realize that, uh, um, we've got uh, some major decision making and we, we, we want to go through the pros and cons, we, we're actually exercising some judgment in that matter. If we don't exercise judgment, then I guarantee you that, that, that the decision that you make is not going to be a godly one. It, it, it might have by happenstance, be there, but it's not way God intends us to operate. He doesn't want us to operate that way. So when we look at the concept of what's being talked about here in this passage in this scripture, he's talking about the way that people judge. He's not saying don't judge at all, but he's talking about the way that we look at things, the way that we come to these decision-making processes. Let's read through uh, the first five verses here. He says, judge not lest ye, or excuse me, that ye be uh, not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what meaning, uh, measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast now the beam out of thine own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. So here, here comes one of the biggest issues that we talk about when we talk about judgment. Hypocrisy. Um, I was uh, looking at something the other day, and there was a... Um, uh, a, a kind of a study that was done and it said, uh, can you give the top three, uh, um, uh, if you will, uh, words that people associate with Christians? And it, it, horrifically, uh, they were self-righteous, um, hypocrite. And I couldn't remember the other one because the first two just kind of like, were like, oh, kind of a defeatist mentality, if you will. Uh, but they, they have this understanding about hypocrisy. When we take a look at what God's saying here, obviously God does not like the hypocrite. That was the issue with the Pharisees. He called them hypocrites. Uh, hypocrisy is a humanistic mentality, by the way, just like Pharisaicalism is. And what is it? It's all about the elevation of self. It's about the elevation of who you are. Uh, you're number one and everyone else is uh, uh, secondary to you. And it doesn't matter what they think or what uh, what happens or what goes on. And and um, you don't have to concern yourself with them. Well, scripturally, that doesn't fit. Scripturally, that doesn't fit. But what we find is in this passage, when he's talking about this judgment issue... He's saying you need to make sure that you're not having hypocrisy climb into the decision-making process. So when we begin to look at how we make decisions and how we judge things, how we look at it, how we view this world, how we view what we're doing in our own lives, how we view what others are, we need to understand that there are certain elements that must be removed. And God says, well, if you're going to just insert a hypocrisy in here... You need to be careful, and you, it's better just not to make that judgment call. 
Because if you make that judgment call, that's how you are going to be judged yourself. And, and, and again, a lot of times as, as, as people talk about, uh, th- this life, sometimes people are, are really great, if you will, um, uh, uh, prosecuting attorneys. They, they go through and they, they've got their case set up and they're just, you know, going hard after a person and, and, and if you will, trying to convict them or condemn them. But then when it comes to, uh, um, something in their life, they immediately switch over to a defense attorney begging for mercy of the court. And that's not the Christian life. If we live in that imbalanced world, then the idea is, is that we're going to make some bad judgment calls. When, when, when I think of bad judgment calls, I can definitely think about the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel made some pretty poor judgment calls. Now, that's not to condemn them, that's what God said. And when we look at that, we should be taking note for it. Because again, why were these things put together in Scripture for us, but for our learning? That we can get some understanding. That we can get some wisdom and say, oh, I shouldn't do that. That's going to yield this? No, thank you. I don't want to do that. I want to do what pleases God. I want to do the right thing. Turn over to the book of Luke. Uh, and, uh, in Luke, uh, chapter six, Luke chapter six, <clears throat> Luke chapter six and in, uh, verse, uh, 36 here, <clears throat> well, let's back up here just a little bit, uh, um, talking about, uh, uh, um, this this concept of love and talking about what uh, God says in verse 27, he says, but I say unto you, which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto them that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. But if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do the same. Now I like verse 32 and verse 33 because it points out exactly who this is talking to. Believers. The sinner is somebody that has rejected God. And he's saying, look, why, if the world's mentality is to love them that love that, uh, uh, them back, uh, then, then what, what, where, wherein is your real love? Wherein is the love of God? So he's talking to believers here. But in verse 34, he says, and if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye for sinners lend to sinners? And receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Aren't you glad God's merciful? Aren't you glad that you've been able to partake of the mercy of God? Oh, 
That would not be a good thing if we could not do that. Verse 37, he says, Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Again, we see a parallel passage to what we just saw. How do we go about doing these things? How do we go about judging things? Is love our first response? Is mercy our first response? Or is it more along the lines of, uh, let's go ahead and get the shovel and the shotgun and we're going to take care of the matter? See, the way we think is going to determine how we're going to make a judgment call. We get vengeful and spiteful and bitter and hateful. Wherein is God's love going to be in your life? Wherein are you going to demonstrate compassion and care? Let's face it. We we are going to have people that are going to do some pretty awful things to us, right? He says, despitefully use you. He says, I want you to exercise something. I want you to change the way you think. This lines up, this pa- these passages line up very clearly with Romans chapter 12, where he says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. Good. That's the mindset. We let that bitterness, we let that, uh, uh, that hatred creep into us. We let that, uh, if you just, uh, uh, loathsome mentality dominate us. It becomes all we think about. We don't have time to think about God. Why? Because we're too busy hating the other person. We're too busy thinking about revenge. We're too busy thinking about what we should have said or how we should have said it or how we're going to get him next time. Uh, you live your life like that, you're... You, it's going to be sad, lonely, and depressing. But here he makes it very clear here. He's like saying, look, the idea and the concept, forgive. Be merciful. Don't be so quick to judge. Don't be so quick to condemn. Because look at how he says this in verse 38. He says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosoms. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You know how many times I've heard that passage preached at like some uh, uh, faith promise missions giving thing? How many times I've heard that preached on tithing and offerings and money and everything else? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, did you not read the context? Back up to verse 27, do you not read the context? The context is, what are you giving out? It's not your money. It's your love. It's your mercy. It's your forgiveness. It's how you judge. It's the way you look at the condemnation. All of these things. How do we treat other individuals? And people are like, well, God's going to bless you if you give all this money and you're, it's going to be flowing out and you're just going to have all this. Uh, hit the brakes on that one. That's not that, That's not what we do. The physical things, you know, God's always capable of carrying and taking and handling all of that physical stuff. We as believers have to understand there's a lot greater spiritual component to our life than this flesh that we have. 
And we look through eyes of flesh and we view things in the flesh. But the problem is, is what God wants us to do is say, I want you to walk in the spirit. I want you to view things spiritually. I want you to view things scripturally. I want you to view things the way that I look at things. And it's possible to be done. We can do that. We can do that. So here God's laying out some expectations. I want you to turn over to the book of John. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. <clears throat> John chapter 7. <clears throat> I want you to look at verse 24. John seven twenty four. So here, here, here it is where God further clarifies this judge not lest you be judged type thing. And here he's saying you're going to judge. So we understand the context of those other verses that say judge not lest you be judged. He's talking about don't judge unrighteously or you will be judged unrighteously. Here in verse 24 he says judge not according to the appearance but judge Righteous judgment. Judge righteous judgment. Now, I don't need a a, a testimony time or a show of hands as a rhetorical question. Have we ever made an unrighteous judgment? I think all of us would probably attest at some point in time we made some pretty bad decisions. We we, we made decisions that, that cost us something that hurt us, that hurt others, but most importantly, put some strain on our relationship with our Savior. And here he's saying, look, I don't want you to go around looking at just the outward appearance. <clears throat> I knew this pastor. To know him is, you would you you would understand, this is just who he is. Uh, many times he would uh, be traveling through an area, and he was uh, he was an avid hunter. Um, and uh, and I'm not talking about Tim, but uh, this is another individual. Uh, he would travel through some areas, and uh, uh, this was way back in the you know 80s or so. And uh, he uh, traveled through areas, and he would be hunting with uh, some people that would go invite him, and then he would go to churches that were in the area, and he would sit there in these churches, and he would uh, purposefully dress down. And he would come in, and he'd just kind of be that kind of a person, and he would just sit there on the front row. And when he would sit there on the front row, he'd make himself all comfortable, and, and he would just sit there like this the whole time through the sermon, just glaring at the pastor. Arms folded. He'd say something, make a point, and he would be just like, you know, just kind of intensify the stare. Just sit there. And these pastors, they'd be looking at this guy, and they're like, man, this guy's under conviction. And they'd start preaching hotter, and they'd start getting a little more. And the guy's up there, and he's just getting worked up, and there's sweat just pouring off of him. And he's just, you know, like, just, you know, preaching the gospel, trying to think that this guy's resisting Christ the whole time. And he's just sitting there, and he's just preaching. And he's just preaching right at this one guy. And he's just going and going and going and going and going. And then the invitation comes, and the, and, and this pastor doesn't get forward. He has no idea he's a pastor. <laughs> 
And then he would, uh, uh, he would be done with it and he'd be you know, physically exhausted. He'd get off the pulpit and he'd go shake hands with the visitor, walk up to him. And he's like, hey, brother, who, who are you? And he'd say his name. Yeah, I'm a pastor over here. And, so, and the, 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 immediately the other pastor knew what he had just done. Just, 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 just to, you know, get at him, just to aggravate him, just to kind of provoke him and prod him. And I, I'm not condoning it in any way, shape, or form. But what happened is, is that that pastor that was preaching would sit there and judge that man based upon whatever it was, and it was completely the opposite. I say all of that and use that illustration to say this: as often as the case is, we don't get to see the hearts of people, do we? We're not God. Remember how Jesus Christ over there in the book of Mark, he's getting ready to heal the man with the withered hand in Mark chapter two. And, and, and he's over there and, uh, might be three, but first part of Mark, he's over there and, and, uh, he's getting ready and he asks the Pharisees, is it wrong to heal on the Sabbath day? And they didn't want to answer him because he knew, they knew that either way that they answered, they would be condemned in what they said. So they kept silent. And what did God know? God knew that about them, and he looked at them, and he became angry because of the hardness of their hearts. He could see it. He could see that. He often would say, he says, why do those thoughts arise in your heart? Jesus could see those things. We can't. We can't judge a person that way. We can't walk up and just immediately look at the outward appearance and go, oh man, you must be the most ungodly person I've ever met. And sometimes that's not the case. We look at the outward, but what God wants us to do is use what he says is righteous judgment. So let's ask the question, do we even know what righteous judgment is? Do we even know what righteous judgment is? Because this is God's expectation, by the way. This is God's expectation of us. I want you to use righteous judgment is what he tells us. So how do we go about doing that? Well, it becomes pretty pretty obvious. We use God's standard. We use the scriptures. I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19. Psalm chapter 19, in verse 9, it says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So what we begin to see is he says here very clearly in the last phrase of this verse, his God's judgments, what he has already prejudged for us, they're true and they're righteous. There's no proof that we have to go through. We don't have to try to prove anything. If I exercise and use God's judgment as my basis of judgment, 
then what's going to happen? I'm going to have true and righteous judgments. I have to begin to, I have to begin there. I have to start there. That's his standard, by the way. That's what he desires of us. We'll see this here in just a moment. But what we find is very clearly he's, he's outlining and he's saying, here's my standard. I want you to understand that they're true and that they're righteous. And I want you to take those judgments that I've already determined. And I want you to use them in your, your life. We do that in the legal world. We, we have, we obviously, we have, uh, laws that are in case, uh, or excuse me, uh, in, in force that are made, but we also have what are referred to as case law, where there's precedent that has been set with another case that has already been pre-judged before our case. We take that case and we say, well, over here, we ruled this way. So I can take that case and apply it to my case and say, well, this is the decision that the courts have already made in this uh, specific municipality or venue. And, and, and therefore, I can say, we can use this to prove our case and show how it's similar and show how we need to make the same judgment in our case that we made back here. So God has already got all of this, all of these cases that He's already judged, that He has put together, that that that, that He has, if you get, uh, if you will, again prejudged for us, set that precedent, and we have a bunch of them in Scripture, and said, "Here's what I want you to do: use this to make your decision." for the next decision in your life. Does it with the nation of Israel. Turn over the book of Leviticus. Book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18, I want you to jump down to here to uh, 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 verse 2. He says, uh, speaking to the children of Israel. So we know the context. Moses is talking to Israel, and he's talking specifically to them, not necessarily just to the Levites in this case, but to all of the nation of Israel. And he says specifically unto them, if you jump down there to verse 4 is where I want us to get to, for sake of time. The nation of Israel, he says, ye shall do my judgments and, and keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. His expectation, you know what he told him? He said, look, I've already determined some things for you. Uh, I'm going to make your life a little easier. This is right. This is wrong. This is how I judge this. This is how I judge that. And now you're going to use those to make your decisions in your life. Well, that's easy. We already know what the answer is. We don't have to sit there and fret and go, oh, I wonder what I should do. God's already outlined it. God's already put it down. 
God's already given us the answer. And he says, look, if you're going to walk in them, you're going to live in them. You're going to live a life that's pleasing unto God. Take a look a little bit further down in the same chapter. Um, look at uh, verse 26. <clears throat> he says, Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and not commit any of these abominations, neither uh, of any uh, your own nation or any stranger that sojourneth among you. And he says, look, here, if you do these things, by the way, he says there's going to be consequences. But he says, look, I don't want you doing any of this sin. I don't want you doing any of these things that I call abominations. I don't want you, if you learned them from within or if you learned them from without, any of these things that are contrary to the judgments that I've already made. He tells the nation of Israel, I want you to use my judgments, not come up with your own, and not come up with what the, or bring in what the world thinks. Because there's going to be consequences if you do that. And they're not going to be favorable consequences. I want you to jump down to uh, another chapter here in Leviticus, in Leviticus 19. And what do we see here in verse 15? Some very similar uh, uh, language. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15 you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Look, don't integrate sin into your judgment process. I've seen people do that before. When, and look, you know, some of these decisions that we make in our life can be very simply made. And you ask, is it sin? If the answer is yes, then the response is, don't do it. The response is, don't do it. Why why would God want us to engage in sin to, quote-unquote, do that which is right? It's incompatible. The result that is yielded will not be a, a good result. You have some mutant thing that you're looking at going, what is this that I have created? And God said, that's a mess. The reason it's a mess is because you didn't exercise the righteous judgment up front. You didn't involve righteousness in the judgment process. Remember, we kind of talk about what righteousness is. Righteousness is doing that which is right according to God all the time. In every area of our life. That's the concept of righteousness. Doing that which God desires. Not what we want, but what God desires. What God has said is right. The right thing to do. Take a look at verse 35 of the same chapter of Leviticus 19. Verse 35, he says, You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat-eared, in weight, or in measure. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hen ye shall, shall ye have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore ye shall observe all my statutes and my judgments, and do them. I am the Lord. Now I like this because in verse 35, he, he starts getting uh, really down to the nitty-gritty of it. You know what he's just saying right there? In the little decisions you make in your life, 
the little decisions. You ever been working on a project? Maybe you're out there, you know, putting something together, trying to build a table or whatever it may be, or trying to put some, you know, uh, siding up, or you're trying to put in some baseboards, whatever it is, laying your own laminate floor or something like that. And you, you, you grab the ruler or the, the tape measure and you string it out and you've got a board and the board is just ever so slightly smaller. And you're like, can I make that work? And you're like, I just don't want to make another cut, or cut another board the exact way. I just want to, if it's just a little bit short, nobody's going to notice. I could probably cover it up with a, a baseboard. I could, might be able to put it somewhere where nobody's going to notice. You know, something like that, right? We're trying to figure out a way to finagle the situation. You know what God says? I don't want you doing that in your life. I don't want you taking the, the, the lazy road, the slothful road. I want you cutting it the exact way it's supposed to be. He says, and he covers it. He covers length. He covers volume. He covers weight. All of those things. You know, we get on the scale in the morning, we look at it, and we're like, oh. And then we got to go into the DMV and we got to refile or do something. And it tells us what our weight weight is. And we're like, I'm just going to go ahead and round down. <laughs> One time I, on my driver's license, I, I kept the, the weight that I had on my driver's license for the longest time that I had when I got my driver's license. <laughs> I just kept writing down the same weight. One point in time, uh, somebody was looking, I forget who was looking at my driver's license, and they kind of looked at that, and they looked at me, and they looked at that, and they looked at me, and they're like, I think something's wrong with your, uh, I think you missed a couple of digits on this or something. <laughs> it's like, what do you, what, what? But you know, it's those little things in our, in our life, the little judgments that will lead to larger judgments. If we have a bunch of little judgments that we can't seem to make the right decisions on in our day-to-day life, simply measuring, weighing, and volume, if we can't get that, how are we expected to do what is right? How can we even have an inkling of what to do what is right if we've just made all these little inconsistent bad judgments all along the way. When that big judgment comes, when that big decision's looming, how can we expect to do that if we're not making the right decisions even in the smallest areas of our life on a day-to-day basis? This is what this verse is talking about. He's like, I, I don't want you to go through this process of where you're just constantly looking for, um, you know, so, some way to, to get out of it. And he says, I want you to have these things. He says, do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat, in weight, and measure. And he says, just bounces, just weights, just ephahs, just hin shall you have. 
everything needs to be exactly the way it's supposed to be according to God, including these things that we seem to think are trivial. We're going to have a hard time making a judgment call if we can't make a judgment call on these small things. This is God's expectation. You know, when you first see over there in Genesis chapter 18, I want you to turn there real quick. We're in the general neighborhood. Genesis 18. Genesis chapter 18. Verse 25. Here's here's uh, um, Sodom and Gomorrah getting ready to be uh, destroyed. Judgment is coming upon them. And in verse 25, it says, uh, uh, That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Now here's what Abraham says. I want you to look at this. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now, I want you to understand something here. When he uses that word judge, it's capitalized. Why? Because that's his name. Judgment belongs to God. Just like love, just like mercy, just like grace, just like salvation. And here he is, says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And here he says, judge of all the earth. This means that every judgment that has been made comes from somebody that is a judge that oversees the process. Even if you're in arbitration, you have an arbitrator who is a designated judge, if you will, to come in and arbitrate and say, hey, this is what's going to happen. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it's binding arbitration. You sign an agreement that whatever the arbitrator says is what will happen is what will go. Many times they're retired judges or district attorneys or uh, something of that nature. I mean, we see all of those judge shows on TV. You know what those are? Those are a binding arbitration agreement shows. And they are making a judgment in a certain way. For the plaintiff, for the defendant, however it works out. Or just throw the whole case out because it's frivolous and useless waste of everybody's time. But regardless of what we see here is we see that God is now a judge in, in everything. So regardless of what we think, regardless of what the world thinks, God's the judge of all the earth. He's judged souls. He'll judge sin. He'll judge righteousness. He'll judge everything in the way it's supposed to be. So if he is the judge of all the earth, then absolutely we want to use his case law. We want to use what he's already determined to be what is right. Again, we're talking about his standards here. You go over there in the Leviticus 18 and 19 where we were, whose judgments did they, was it, was Israel supposed to do? 
God's. And he continues to remind them. He says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Well, I don't know about this judgment. I mean, you know. And he's going, I am God. Come on. What are you doing? Make that, do that one. Well, I don't know. You know, we get to this point of where we have to realize that's a lot of what Israel's problem was. Turn over to Jeremiah. <clears throat> Jeremiah. <clears throat> you know anything about Jeremiah? Jeremiah had a tough ministry. Jeremiah went through a lot. Jeremiah was persecuted for what he did. Jeremiah was thrown in a prison and thrown into a prison where uh, really there was no real doors or chains. They just threw him in muck and mire that was so thick that he couldn't do anything but stand. Could you imagine the torture behind that? How do you sleep? How do you do anything else? You're stuck in there? Can't move? Can't lay down? Can't sit? Yeah, you, you, you don't need a door. You're just in a pit with that. You can't get out of it because it's got such a strong suction on you. Like, that's a really cruel and unusual torture punishment. That's why they put Jeremiah. All because he simply told them what God thought about them. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 7, and here's what God thought about him. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 8. In verse 7, it says, Yea, the stork in heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of the Lord. And you want to talk about a harsh condemnation. You want to talk about where God really points it out. He says, Israel, they couldn't figure out the right way to judge anything if their life depended on it. A beast knew more than them about judgment. You think about that. <clears throat> sea turtles are amazing creatures, aren't they? I mean, they're cool. And they're, I mean, they're big. Not necessarily the brightest things in the world, but they still, the way that they operate, it's kind of interesting. They come, they swim to a certain area where they were born, and they swim to the same beach, and then they plant all, or lay all those eggs out there, and in the middle of walking paths and where cars are, are driving. I mean, come on, why? Anyways, <clears throat> they they go out there and they do this time after time, and all these little turtles, they hatch, and they go towards the sea, and they'll go live their lives, and not very many of them make it through it. Not very many of them make it to adulthood. But yet, what do they do? They know exactly when the time is to come back, like clockwork, back and forth. Know exactly what to do. And you say in Israel, take a lesson from the turtle. You 
You go out in the world, you know you got to come back. You know where to go back to. And he's just telling the nation of Israel, you got to come back to, you got to come back to him. He's saying, look, you, you, there's got to be a return to the Lord at this point in time. He says they can't even judge when is a good time to come back to God. And many times people will come back to God when they're going through it, right? When their world has just exploded and there's a mess everywhere, and they're like, man, maybe I need to be in church. Maybe you needed to be in beforehand. Maybe that's the better thought. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe I need to get back with God. Maybe I need, maybe it's time for me to, to become more sp- spiritually serious in my life. You know, it's, it's a big mess. Well, absolutely. If you're at the point where, where that's happened and occurred, yes, take the lesson. Realize you need to be back with God. Absolutely. 100%. But don't fall into the same pattern. Don't go back to the same things. Avoid it. Stick with the Lord. Stay with Him. Do His judgments. This is the expectation. Nation of Israel didn't do that. I want you to turn over there to the book of Matthew. Matthew 23 this time. Matthew 23 again to show this issue with the nation of Israel, Matthew 23, 23. <clears throat> Matthew 23, 23. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, scribes uh, and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought to, uh, ye to have done and not leave the other undone. You know what they were doing? Legalism. Pharisaicalism. Show. They were getting so exacting with everything in their exact, you know, exact this and exact that. But they, what did he say? He said they omitted something. They omitted judgment from their life. They omitted righteous judgment. And which is very clear because they couldn't judge that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. The Son of God. They couldn't judge that he was God himself. They couldn't figure that out. But sure enough, they knew exactly how much of these seeds to have. They knew exactly how how much to have for this. But they couldn't judge whether or not they were had a close relationship with God. They couldn't judge themselves. See, this is where this judgment part becomes extremely important. People leap to certain conclusions in their judgments. People leap to certain uh, decisions uh, quickly without exercising the judgment process. 
They don't, they don't ask God. They don't inquire of God. They don't look at the word of God. They don't, uh, um, uh, you know, follow his lead. They, they don't do any of that. They just in such a way. But as God says, we're to examine ourselves. And in the ones verses that we were talking about in Matthew 7 and Luke 6, uh, what do we see? It's about an issue of judging ourselves first. We take a look at our own lives before we start doing anything else. And what do we do? We sit down and we go through and we look at our life and we say, okay, where am I right now in my spiritual growth? Am I growing? Am I withering? Or am I stagnant? Judge ourselves first, right? Before we can make any of the bigger decisions and judgments that are out there, we got to ask ourselves and start right there. What's my relationship like with the Lord? Am I close? Am I trying to get closer? Am I aloof and at a distance? Where am I? We should be able to judge that. We should be able to determine these things. And what we look at is when we look at verses like this and we see the the description that he's talking about here, he's saying this was the problem with the Pharisees. They couldn't, they, they thought they were close to God. They thought they were close to God. They thought the borders on their garments made them closer. They thought how much they gave made them closer. They thought of the way that they prayed made them closer. Well, I pray all the time. Lord, thank God. Thank you, Lord. I'm not like him. That's not a prayer. That's not a prayer. Which one can we in a way justified? The one that was beating on his chest saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. What did he do? He judged himself that he needed cleansing. He judged himself that he needed God's mercy. He judged himself that he needed to repent. He judged himself that he needed to confess. He judged himself in the wrong place with his relationship with God. And he judged it right and true to get it restored. That's why he walked away justified. I've had, I've, I've had uh, more than I care to even want to think about. People tell me, oh, my relationship with God's pretty good. Pretty good is very subjective. We don't use pretty good in our legal terms when we're drafting agreements. What do we use? We use specific terms. We don't use good enough. We don't even like to use the word reasonable. Why? Because what's reasonable to you might be unreasonable to me. And God says, I want you to do exacting. I want you to do what you're supposed to be doing. I want you to do those things that I've been telling you to do. Uh, Those are good that you do those, but you're missing the bigger picture. You're missing the bigger picture. 
You can have somebody that acts right and be so far away from God that if God was to show up at their front door, they wouldn't recognize him. I've seen many Christians do that. I've done it in my own life. Oh, I'm okay. No, no, I wasn't. But here we find very clearly what Israel's issue was. I want you to go over to one more passage. And we'll, we'll pick this up next week, Lord willing. <clears throat> I want you to go over to one more passage over to the book of Philippians. New Testament over there, book of Philippians. <clears throat> we were studying Philippians. We covered this first, but I think it's necessary to bring it up here. You know what Paul's desire was? He had a lot of desire for the church. He had a lot of desire they would grow. He had a lot of desire that they would uh, do certain things. Um, there, there, there was a lot of good desires that Paul had for, for them. They were biblical desires, good things. And here with the church at Philippi, he makes this statement. <clears throat> he says in verse 9, in this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. He wants more love in their life. But here's the areas that he wants this love to be demonstrated. In knowledge and in all judgment. If we're going to judge ourselves, we have to ask this question. Do my judgments clearly reveal I love Christ. I love him because he first loved me. I love him and therefore I love his children, the brothers and sisters in Christ. I love what God loves. If we get to the point of where we're loving what God loves, our judgments, we're going to want to love to judge the way that God judges. This is why he's saying you got to take a look at your own life first. We got to take a look at how we live, how we decide things. What do we do in our lives? Before we go out there and try to do anything else, we've got to start there. Let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer. We'll again, like I said, pick this up, Lord willing, next week. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time that you've given to us. Thank you again, Lord, for just this opportunity to begin to study this subject matter. And Lord, I pray that as we look to it, as we begin to look at how we make our decisions, that Lord, this will become very clear to us. That we need to judge according to you. That our decisions need to be according to you, your word, your Holy Spirit. In a way, Lord, that pleases, honors, glorifies, and shows exactly what you've done for us. Shows your love in our life. Lord, I pray that you just continue to be with us in our hearts and our minds. Lord, as we move to this uh, main service, and again, Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity to study your word. And these things I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.